If you're a founder, you know that fundraising is a big part of the job. What you might not know is that Carta is there to help. Carta's new fundraising suite provides startups of all stages the best tools and support to easily issue safes, accurately forecast solution, and quickly close funding rounds. Save time, money, and make your next round your best yet. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnVest, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with the top founder to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Alex Von Tobel. And this week, I want you to meet Alex Wang, founder and CEO of Scale AI, the data platform committed to accelerating the progress of AI. Scale helps customers build long-term AI strategies by providing the highest quality AI data and tools. Alex dropped out of MIT at the mere age of 19 to found the company and was named to Forbes 30 under 30 list. In 2020, the company was valued at over $3.5 billion. Before enrolling in MIT, Alex worked Quora and Adapar, where he noticed the inefficiencies of developing AI infrastructure. He recognized that he could accelerate companies' abilities to deploy AI by combining a machine learning powered data labeling system with human insight to ensure that models are trained on high quality, trusted data sets. Let's welcome Alex here today. Alex, I'm thrilled to have you. Hey, Alexa. So excited to be on the podcast. So first things first, I'm just fascinated by you. You dropped out of MIT at 19. You just turned 24. You're running a business that's worth $3.5 billion. I mean, it's absolutely just crazy to think what you've accomplished in such a short period of time. But let's just start from the basics. What is Scale AI in your own words? And describe it to somebody who's never heard of the business in plain English. So first of all, yeah, I thank you so much. I mean, it's so it's so much due to the incredible team that we have here at Scale. And so I don't want to take any undue credit. But yeah, so at Scale, our mission is to accelerate the development of artificial intelligence. And we do this by providing the labeled data and tools necessary for companies to deploy AI as easily as they deploy code. And so we serve as a trusted partner for organizations all over the world to build a systematic data-centric platform to manage their entire machine learning lifecycle so that we can actually see the, the positive benefits of AI that I think we're also excited to see. Okay, double click on that. Give us a little bit more detail. What do you guys do at scale? And what does that mean? Are you categorizing AI? Give us a sense of what you guys are actually building. So one of the things that most people uh, don't appreciate about artificial intelligence is that it really is all built on top of the foundation of data. So at the end of the day, these artificial intelligence algorithms or machine learning algorithms learn much in the same way that humans learn. So we learn from real world examples and real world experience and learning from lots and lots of, frankly, repetition. And these, these algorithms, they learn in, in the exact same way. You know, they learn from data that's presented to them. You know, for example, if you were to build a self-driving car and you wanted to make sure that it could recognize cars and pedestrians and bicyclists on the road, it needs lots and lots of data where you're giving it, you know, frankly, millions of hours of footage. And in that footage, you, you're marking out, this is where all the cars are, this is where all the pedestrians are, this is where all the people are. Um, and that allows the algorithm to really understand what it needs to learn. And so what we do at Scales, we, we help provide infrastructure that allows artificial intelligence teams to be able to produce and build these data sets 
that they ultimately end up feeding to these algorithms kind of like food. And so we're kind of like the, you know, the chefs or the preparers of the food for, for these AI algorithms. Now let's go back to kind of the beginning of when you built this business. As I said, you dropped out of MIT at 19 and joined YC. Can you just walk us through the early journey? Where did you come up with this idea? What was the aha moment where you said, oh, I'm going to go become the chef for AI. Um, where did you come up with the idea for scale? Yeah. So, you know, when I was at college at MIT, I saw the potential of AI. I was really excited about a future world where we could have intelligent sensors all over the place where we could, you know, we could get intelligent recommendations from these algorithms where, you know, frankly, we would have this huge amount of technology that could be enabled by artificial intelligence. But as I was studying AI, you know, I was at MIT and uh, at MIT, everybody is building something, you know, mechanical engineering majors are building catapults in the lawn, uh, electrical engineering majors are building, you know, robots uh, to go around campus, CS majors are building apps or web apps. And there were hundreds of students studying AI, but none of these students were really building anything, building any side projects using artificial intelligence. And so it wasn't really having the real world impact that I think we all wanted to see. And, and what I realized was that the biggest bottleneck for all these students to be building meaningful AI was actually the data. They didn't have you know, the chef to, that was there to prepare the, the food for their algorithms. And so they were left to only study the field in a very theoretical way. And so I, I founded Scale in 2016 after just seeing firsthand this bottleneck at, within the sort of college environment or within MIT. And I realized that like, hey, you know, if this is a problem for college students, you know, brilliant college students who are learning this, this field, this is going to be a problem for every organization around the world that is going to want to apply AI and actually realize the benefits that this incredible new technology can bring. And so I realized, you know, it took time and resources to be able to prepare this data for uh, machine learning algorithms, and it required a set of infrastructure and tools that, you know, hadn't been built before. And I knew that those had to exist uh, a decade into the future. Alex, you have this great quote, which is that data is the new code. And you've said it a bunch of times. Can you just walk everybody through what you mean by that? Yeah, I, I think this is a really, frankly, a really profound shift in what it will mean to build software as AI becomes more and more important. And I think that the most sophisticated companies in the world, they already grappling with this and already understanding what it means. But I think it's a really important thing for us all to, to grapple with. And so the, the big thing is that Developing AI uh, software, you know, it actually is totally different from develop developing traditional software in that, you know, when, when you develop traditional software, it's mostly about the code. You know, uh, what's the code that you're writing? How, how high quality is that code? Um, what does that code do? How are you building processes to write more and more code? And the difference is that artificial intelligence, specifically a lot of the recent deep learning approaches, is actually much more about the data and the way that these the algorithms and the software gets better and better and better is by feeding it higher quality data, by giving it more data, by making sure that data is representative, by making sure that data really covers all the use cases and edge cases that, that you can imagine. And so instead of a world, you know, the past, let's call it like, you know, 30, 40 years of software have been all about making sure that we're building the best possible code to enable software systems on top of them. Well, now we're going to be in a world where it's about making sure that we have the best possible data. And so we have to go from being primarily code-centric software organizations to data-centric software organizations. 
And that's going to be a big shift because frankly, a lot of businesses haven't been in a very data centric mindset until very, very recently. Frankly, you know, you look at a lot of old school businesses and while they have all this data that they've been running off of, but they don't use it to continue improving their business or they, a lot of times they even throw it away without understanding how valuable of a resource they're throwing away. And so we basically think that the, the first step to really being able to be successful with AI and the AI development lifecycle is understanding that that data is what's going to define the performance, define the efficacy of all the machine learning and AI stuff you'll do in the future. And so it's about you know getting into a life cycle where you're using data in a strategic way and you're able to go through the, the motions of collecting data, curating it, annotating it, and building algorithms on top of that and then going through the whole process over and over again to keep spitting out new AI algorithms. A lot of organizations today go through and spit out new software every day. So 2016, you found the company. What was your initial vision for scale and how has it evolved and where is it today? And you know, just for all the good facts here, you recently just raised $155 million round, uh, I believe led by Tiger at a $3.5 billion valuation. So you have in a short period of time, accomplish a ton. But walk us through what your original vision is and how it's evolved now that you've been in the seat building the business for almost five years. Well, I think as I as I kind of mentioned before, the the real the germination of the idea was really around this realization that like, hey, data is holding everybody back. And data is holding back, you know, all my peers in school from building these incredible apps and applications and robots and all this stuff using using AI. And, and so that was kind of the, that was really the, the germination of the idea. You know, I knew from the start that you couldn't treat data as an afterthought, that like if you had bad data or you had lack of data, that was going to result in bad AI. And then as we've worked with customers and as we've talked to more customers and frankly seen just this explosion in the field of AI, the thing that we get really excited about now is like, not only is it just about the data, not only is it just about making sure that organizations have the data they need to do great machine learning, it's also about empowering organizations with the ability to go through the full AI development lifecycle and to have a full end-to-end -end platform. And so we've gone from this, you know, originally we were thinking of solving this point problem in the stack and solving this point problem in the, in the journey of building AI. And what we're realizing now is that, frankly, like there's an opportunity for us to build a unified end-to-end -end platform that allows our customers to go through the whole life cycle in a super efficient way. And a lot of this we're noticing is because AI, frankly, is just, it's kind of taken the world by storm uh, over the past you know, decade in this like crazy way. Like this, the, the technology has really surprised, I think all of us in terms of what it can accomplish. And I think a lot of organizations are figuring out, a lot of companies, a lot of teams are figuring out how can I get started with AI as quickly as possible? And we wanna be able to provide every business with the tools to be able to do that. That's really been the thing that, you know, we've learned as the industry has developed and we're really excited about going forward. So you work with a wide range of customers from Pinterest to Toyota, and you've said that you are specifically now focusing on AI within a few sectors. So uh, autonomous driving, government, cutting edge technology. How'd you decide to focus there and why? One of the th things that uh, has been really interesting about AI over the course of the past, call it five years, is just that, you know, it's a technology that that will be able to be applied to every single industry, but we're sort of early on in this journey. And so it's really, we're moving from a field and an industry that was 
previously very theoretical and research-based to one that's now being very rooted in impact and real business results. And so what we've seen as a result of that is that a lot of um, a lot of pent-up demand and a lot of pent-up use cases are now starting to see the light of day across all sorts of industries. And it, while that may have started with autonomous driving and starting the government and, and very cutting-edge technologies developed by you know, the largest tech companies in the world, now we're seeing it really take, uh, take root and take flight in, in the broader economy. So we're seeing it in e-commerce, we're seeing it in financial services and lots of other industries. And we're seeing that with our customer demographic as well. You know, uh, States Title, uh, which is really working on revolutionizing the home buying business, uh, has been applying AI to make that process more efficient. Honey, which uh, recently got acquired by PayPal, is looking to build a better e-commerce experience and is using AI to build better recommendations and, and smarter product discovery mechanisms for their customers. We're working with some of the leading medical researchers on automated medical imaging analysis to basically be able to enable doctors to be more efficient. And then we're partnering with major logistics companies increasing the efficiency and ensuring compliance on their work. And so what's gone from, I think, something that was, you know, a real science lab kind of technology that you know it felt like only very few companies really had the ability to use. We're seeing it really take flight and, and frankly impact lots of old school industries that you know I think is is been really surprising a lot of us. And so that's that's been super exciting. That's wonderful. So Alex, if you step back, you are not only creating the leverage for organizations to be able to better consume AI to improve their platforms, et cetera. You have such a unique point of view from where you sit, truly at the cutting edge of AI. If you fast forward a decade, I would just love to hear some of the predictions that you have around the industry. Just again, you have thought about it probably more than a lot of other humans on this planet. What's obvious to you and what would you say are just the things that are going to explode over the next decade? One of the things that we don't appreciate that's really, really enabling a lot of these machine learning and AI applications is is really kind of the first wave of of software really becoming really ubiquitous. So there is the thing that uh, Mark Andreessen I think popularized the idea that software is eating the world, and then I think I think now we're going this way where AI is kind of eating software, where software kind of laid this foundation where now we had the ability to really get access to lots of data in a digital way that you know before all these processes were offline, there was no way of knowing what was going on in all these industries. And as we've gotten uh, more and more of the world online onto software, now we're able to utilize the data and build AI on top of these software applications and make the world smarter and more efficient. And so I think that th this sort of like these two waves are kind of crashing into industries in sequence where first software will revolutionize and make these industries more efficient. And then we'll see this wave of AI revolutionizing and making these industries more efficient. The other thing is I think on a more concrete level, the self-driving car industry, which is really, I think one of the first major use cases of AI has, has really paved the way for a lot of real-time video algorithms that now will have an increased impact in the world is like, frankly, so much of the world now operates through video. As we've all transitioned to remote, we're all on Zoom, and the ability for AI to empower uh, better experiences with video is going to be huge. You know, we already see it with in a small way with like virtual backgrounds, um, but it's going to be it's going to empower supercharged meetings and supercharged interactions with other people, which is going to be really exciting to see. And I don't even think we can imagine today all of the 
the incredible consumer experiences that we're going to be able to build, but it's a really exciting new platform. And then, you know, very recently we've seen these huge advances in the ability to understand language. OpenAI released the GPT-3 algorithm, which has been, you know, probably one of the, the most jaw-dropping tech moments in the past few years. And I think we're going to see more and more of that where we're going to be able to use technology to automatically understand language and use that to empower, you know, much more efficient, much better processing of, of data all around the world. It's almost hard to imagine, but I think that we're going to see this over the next few years, this like huge acceleration of the use cases, and it's going to be really exciting. What worries you? What would you say is the one or two things that keeps you up at night around the future of AI? Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the big things that the AI community has been grappling with recently, you know, there, there have been a few big topics, but one of them is around bias in these artificial intelligence algorithms. You know, I think that just like how children, you know, if they're exposed to really biased information, they will naturally adopt those biases, or frankly, all of us, if, if we don't have a diverse set of, of information sources, we're going to end up having biased viewpoints. These algorithms are no different where if they're fed biased data, you know, they're, they're going to naturally reflect that bias in uh, how they continue to process information. And so it's really important that we as a community, and I think there's been a lot of incredible research in this field, especially recently, and a lot of great products to support this, but how do we make sure that as we use artificial intelligence and machine learning for more and more intelligent systems, that we know that these algorithms are unbiased and they're not reflecting, you know, like unconscious biases that have just been present in society for a really long time. I think that's one really big issue. Another one is like ensuring safety of these systems. I think that, you know, a lot of the use cases of AI are going to be really high stakes, whether that's, you know, for use in medicine or for use in self-driving vehicles or for use in uh, high stakes robotics, like uh, construction or whatnot. And ensuring that we have the systems to know that the, these AI systems, when we deploy them, are going to be safe and are going to, that we're going to know their limits. That's a really big, that's a really big thing that we're going to have to think about. You know, we went through this with software where we were lucky in that I think, you know, a lot of the web 1.0 stuff, you know, it was all kind of hobbyist work. And so it didn't matter that it was really, really buggy, but as it, as software became used in really high profile and high pressure systems, like airplane control systems or cars or whatnot, we had to really make sure it was secure and, and well-tested. Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on, for starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carta knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite, providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suites helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. What would you say is the one thing that you're most excited about in the future? Yeah, I, I think there's like really two things. First, I think that if you just take one use case, you know, medical is so exciting. That is like such an incredible use case for, for AI and machine learning. You know, just a few, a few things like globally, there is a massive shortage of, of medical care. You know, if you look at the, the whole world, you know, there's, there's a huge shortage of doctors and nurses who are able to reliably provide medical care to the growing world population. And so, 
you know, if you look at that problem, you think about it, like AI and machine learning is going to be one of the only ways that we can actually address that at a global scale. And that is incredibly exciting because we're getting obviously to the point where, you know, most of the world, they're going to have smartphones. And if we're able to equip these smartphones with AI functionality to support better healthcare, that's going to be a huge improvement to, to sort of, you know, the world. So, so just healthcare is one that, that gets me really excited. And then I think about what happened with the internet where, you know, you, you had your first wave of applications of the internet, but then, you know, frankly, every year we come up with new and innovative ways to keep using the internet. And like, you know, even Clubhouse recently is something that is a magical experience and, uh, and is just this totally newly imagined way to use all this functionality that we've built um, and all this infrastructure that we've built. I think AI is going to be the same where like every year we're going to be like totally surprised at what is the new cool way that someone is applying AI and looking at the world differently by applying AI in a way that frankly makes the world a better place. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to pin down one thing. If I had to, it would be healthcare. You know, you went to MIT, you dropped out at 19, you're building this business um, in, in so many ways, you're wise beyond your years. Let's totally rewind though. When you go back to those younger, earlier years, you always know you want to be an entrepreneur. Were your parents super clear that this is what your path was going to be? Or do you feel like you're somebody who stumbled into entrepreneurship because you liked problem solve? Yeah. So, you know, I, I grew up in a place where uh, there were a lot, a lot of scientists. Frankly, I think that like I thought for a very long time I would end up being some kind of researcher or, or scientist um, in some capacity. And that was going to be the that was going to be my my uh, primary path. You know, everyone else in my family uh, has a Ph.D. And so that was by and far like the the track that I was on. But but one thing I realized as I kind of grew up and I, you know, I watched the social network and I was just watching how the world was changing was that technology was, was having this huge impact on the world. And it was, you know, technology was always interesting to me because I, you know, I had growing up in a, in a town of scientists, you always hear about advancements in nanotechnology and battery technology and biotechnology that are, that have the ability to, to, to really change the world. But then meanwhile, you were seeing just how like, all this, the internet and these apps and these websites were having this real imprint on how we all lived our lives. And that's what made me think that like, hey, if, if I care about changing the world and having an impact, you know, working in technology and building a company is going to be one of the best ways for me to do that. Uh, so for everybody out there, uh, you grew up, Alex, in New Mexico, home to the Los Alamos National Lab. How do you think growing up among, again, a family of PhDs and just truly in a very science-driven community, how has that impacted you, do you think? Yeah, I think that like one thing is um, I've always, uh, I, I feel like I was almost taught to always think about like for every scientific advancement or, 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 or different breakthrough, what are the impacts of that technology? And so I've always thought about the world in terms of this, like you have this new exciting capability or this new research breakthrough, what are the implications of that? How can that be applied to the real world? And I think that's that's one of the things that gets me really excited about artificial intelligence and machine learning is that like I learned about what we were seeing from the research perspective and what these algorithms could do in in these toy environments. And I was like, this is going to be massive. This is going to this could change the world in a really big way. So so I think kind of this like this thought process of thinking through the implications of what technological breakthroughs mean. 
um, that's been that's been kind of like this this mental training that that I've been uh, that I've been deeply appreciative for. I want to go a little bit to your early days at MIT um, when you dropped out. Uh, and as I mentioned, I'm also a dropout of Harvard Business School. So you know, I remember. But I dropped out. It wasn't cool in any capacity. It was very much people were like, what are you doing? You're kind of crazy. Um, walk us through a little bit of your decision to say, I need to leave school and I need to go build this right now. What did that feel like? What did that look like? Yeah, I, I, I think that, um, you know, the one question is like, hey, should you drop out or not? But I think one of the big reasons that that I ultimately felt like I needed to drop out was that I had this idea. I noticed, as I mentioned before, this bottleneck with AI and the world of AI was racing so quickly at that time. And it continues to race so quickly. Like when I was in school, AlphaGo came out and we had we had conquered the game of Go via AI. And it just and TensorFlow came out as a platform. And that enabled a lot more people to use AI. And it was just this like, it was such this it was, there was so much excitement in the field. And it was it was moving so quickly that I kind of thought to myself, hey, if I if I wait to graduate then the whole field is going to pass me by. And I'm, I'm I, like, the timing is now. And so a lot of it was around, I think I, I felt like I had a, the idea was, was good, but also the opportunity was huge. And, and um, I needed to jump into to the community and jump into the, to solve the problem. And so I felt a lot of urgency at the time. And that's ultimately what, what led me to drop out. You know, the, the advice I'd give people is, I don't have fear around dropping out. I think oftentimes, you know, the world is changing so quickly that a lot of the advice you're going to give, you know, it may not even be relevant. Nobody asked me if I'm a drop, like, it doesn't matter that I, that I dropped out of school these days. Yeah, no, um, I'm laughing because I think that's a really, really great point, which is the world is evolving so quickly that even people you can get advice from may have stale advice. As you think about, you know, you're, you're a, a young founder, but at the helm of building something really profound, what are your tricks for staying on track, right? Like, is it sleep? Is it exercise? Is it meditation? I always love founders have to figure out their own hacks for being able to sustain the intensity that is running a business. What are yours? You know, it sounds so cliche, but you got to surround yourself with, with just the best possible people. And I mean that in a few ways, like, you know, you definitely want to surround yourself with smart people and ambitious people. Um, but but you want to surround yourself with people who really pull out the best qualities in you and, and get you really excited about everything that you're doing and also call you out on, on your, on your worst qualities. I think that like, you know, I'm certainly guilty of this. I think most people are, you're so shaped by the people around you. And, and if you surround yourself with people who are really excited, really ambitious and optimistic, then you're going to, you're going to become more optimistic, more ambitious, more excited. And, and that's kind of the, that's the virtuous cycle that I think has has allowed me to continue building scale is that like, I just surround myself with amazing people who get me really excited about everything we can do. And, and, uh, and that's really what fuels me. And so, you know, I think, I think it's a simple one, you know, surround yourself with best people is, is, uh, is, is huge. What another thing is that, you know, you really got to focus. And I think that one of the things about being a founder, and I'm sure you understand this is that, there's going to be everything's going to be on fire all the time, and so you like you can get to a point where you get you're you're fighting against this this you know all the fires, and you're not going to be able to get anywhere. And so you have to like get really okay with with kind of selective negligence and just being being really focused and saying, hey, I'm going to attack this problem first, and I'm going to let everything else burn. But if I solve this one problem, 
that's the most important problem. And then I move on to the next one and move on to the next one. And I think having kind of Zen around the fact that like, you can't do everything. You can't be everyone, everything to everyone. You have to like take it step by step. I think having, having a mindset around that is really, really important. I love what you just said, by the way, um, which is so, so simple, but actually I've not had anybody say it, um, which is not only surround yourself with the best people, but surround yourself with extremely positive, optimistic believers. And that fuels you to do the same. And I think that's really good. Um, very sage advice uh, for sure. I want to just quickly um, transition here to our quick fire round. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. You're going to answer pretty quickly. And just first thing that comes to your head. First, I want to ask, when you look back at everything you built at Scale AI, what are you most proud of? I'm most proud of just like, I first, the team that I have, that we have at Scale is just so amazing. And I, I honestly, like, I pinch myself sometimes because I, I think about just like how brilliant, how hardworking, how um, positive, how inspiring everyone is at the company. And I'm, I'm so blessed that they joined me in this mission. And then the, the next thing that I get really excited about, or I'm really proud of is like, I think that, you know, scale is having a real impact on the field of AI. And if we have, you know, in the, in an AI future where, um, AI has really made all of our lives better. I think scale will have had a meaningful impact in making that possible. Um, I love it. Uh, fast forward two years, how many days a week? Are we in offices? Uh, I'm, uh, uh, first of all, we're still trying to figure this out, but I actually think we're going to be in offices more than, more than a lot of people think right now, because I think that once we get back into the office, we're going to remember just how incredibly efficient and frankly, um, enjoyable it is to be in an office and how, how fun it is to be around your coworkers and be solving problems together and, and having more meaningful personal bonds with all of them. I think that that's something that, you know, we've been deprived of for the past year. So how many days a week would you guess? I think four. If you think about one new product that during COVID you adopted, it can be anything. It can be a food. It can be a new app. It can be uh, anything. Um, what's a product that you're excited about these days that's not scale? Honestly, the, uh, the, the coolest thing that I've adopted during, during COVID, I started using this uh, thing called the Aura Ring. Uh, which is a sleep and fitness tracker. Oh, you have one. Yeah, great. Um, it is, I, I'm so bad at charging my electronics and this thing has a, has a multi-day charge and that's, it's just changed my, changed everything. Um, it's been so great. I have a confession. I'm such a nerd that I have a whoop, a Fitbit and an aura ring, all three, um, where it basically just tells me that I don't sleep enough. <laughs> like, Thank you for reminding me on all three devices. Um, when it's Sunday night and you're looking at the week ahead and you're excited, why? I think I'm always excited just by, frankly, it is a little, uh, uh, some people think I'm weird for it, but there's always new challenges ahead. And I think that's like one of the things that if you, if you get, if you run a business, you know that it's just, you're always going to have new mountains to climb. And I think that uh, at this stage in the game, that's so exciting. It's like, you know, we're never going to be done. Um, there's always going to be new, new, exciting challenges, new um, problems to solve. And, uh, and we're always going to have to be creative. Um, the other thing that I'll say real quick is uh, talking to customers gets me really jazzed. And so um, when I hear about how we can partner with them in, in making their, reality and making their dreams come true. I think that just gets me so, so excited. 
Alex, first of all, I, I really do wish that we had hours because I feel like I want to dig into your brain and ask so many questions about the future. Um, but I just want to quickly say thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody out there, if you want to learn more, check out scale.com uh, for, for more information on Scale AI. And you can join us next week for Inc. the Founders Project with Alexa Bontobel. Alex, with all my heart, thank you. You remind me that the future is very bright because young, very thoughtful people like yourself are going to be running it. So thank you. Thank you so much, Alexa. You have such an incredible podcast. I'm so happy to be a part of it.